Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You may be seated. The gospel lesson that you heard is one of the most beloved stories in the whole Bible. It's in three of the four gospel accounts. Jesus, at this time in his life, has enormous crowds following him. He's famous. And people were bringing their children to him to have him pray for them, according to Matthew's gospel. So Jesus is kind of like Santa Claus at the mall. There's this long line of kids coming to see him. But I don't think it was like that organized, judging by the response of his disciples, who rebuked the people who were bringing the children when the disciples saw all these children coming to Jesus, they rebuked, reprimanded, scolded, stopped them. But when Jesus saw what the disciples were doing, he was indignant, angry, outraged, not happy. And he said to them, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Do not deter them. Do not hamper, obstruct in any way, impede, hold them back in any way, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. I want to talk to you today about the value of little children. So much so, first we talk about the value they have to God. It's pretty clear Jesus loves the little children. So much so that he is angered when they are prevented from being with him. And that begs the obvious question, is there anything that you are doing, anything that you are saying, or how you are living as an adult that is hindering, preventing, stopping children from coming to know their creator and their savior? It is an important question. Why does Jesus get so angry? And why are children so precious to him? Well, the answer is that they are his. He created them. I mean, do you wonder why the Bible gives the details of the creation of Eve. It didn't have to, but it does. And yes, it's to show us that marriage is God's idea. That is for sure. But it also reminds us that Eve is the mother of all the living. Children come from the union of one man and one woman that's how God designed it to be. And children are a constant reminder of God's love and his goodness and his grace. And it doesn't matter if you are single, if you are married without kids. It doesn't matter if you personally don't have children or if you do or if you are in your golden years of life. God has designed it so that there would always be children in your life. 
And look at this cool prophecy in the book of Zechariah. It's about the restoration of Jerusalem. Some have seen this as restoration of the new Jerusalem, referring to the church. doesn't matter. It clearly shows God's desire to have the young and the old living together. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with cane in hand because of his age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. This is the beauty of the church, the kingdom of God here on earth. Jesus said, as he looked at the children, for such belongs the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God in a person's heart. And it starts in this life and it extends to all eternity. We become born into the kingdom through water and the word, through faith in the Son of God. So God has made it that whatever our station in life might be, it should always contain children because they have an incredibly important lesson to teach us. Before I get into that lesson, we've got to take a look at this passage. Tiny little story Jesus gives us in the gospel, and it wants to teach us a bunch of cool things. We learn so much about ourselves and about our Heavenly Father from the tiniest of Bible stories. So here's some obvious things. Jesus values children, so should we. I mean, this event happens in the middle of the Roman Empire rule. And the Romans, if you know any little bit about history, are not particularly fond of children unless they could make soldiers out of them. There was abortion and abandonment. If a child was not wanted or was born disabled or handicapped, the Romans would literally put them out with the trash. Sometimes these babies would be picked up, turned into slaves, gladiators, or prostitutes. And we might look at that and say, man, that's awful. They were such a primitive time, and those were such primitive people. But we're not that different. I drive by a sign every day on the way to the church. It's on a fence that says, Every child matters. You've seen it. I love that. If only it were true. In recent months, it's a reference to the children, the individuals that died in re residential schools. Those children matter. So today we say we value even children who have died because children shouldn't die. Good. And of course, we value the children who are alive. That's very good. But is it true that we value every child that matters? We do not value the children in the womb. They are alive, but not yet born. 85,000 children's lives are terminated in utero every year in Canada with government-sponsored abortion. Jesus brings dignity to children. I want you to think of this. We believe, as the Bible teaches, that God became man. 
That's our confession. But before God became a man, we need to remember that God became a baby. So Jesus bestows particular dignity on childhood because God went through childhood. Now God doesn't grow, God doesn't change, but Jesus in becoming a man, he humbled himself. He set aside the continual use of his divine attributes to identify with you and me. He remained God, but he chose to humbly live among us like one of us. Now what this means about Jesus is that kids, they can relate to Jesus because he's been a kid. He had brothers and sisters. He had to obey his mom and dad. He had homework to do. So even children can relate to Jesus because at one point, yeah, he was his age, their age. It's fascinating. And here's something else that's interesting about this story. In our day, who's the least likely demographic person to be seen with a child? Single man. Yet here we have the story recorded for us. Single man Jesus, loving children, praying for children. Jesus brings value to children. There's a lesson in that for us to learn. So the children are coming to Jesus. And picture it in the theater of your mind. Little girls with pigtails, little boys with boogers. Even babies, even babies according to Luke's gospel. They're all coming to Jesus. The disciples see this as an inconvenience. Jesus sees it as an opportunity to teach. And this is the big idea. idea. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Now we know that, but how big of a blessing? Jesus is going to teach us. The psalmist says in Psalm 127, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb of a reward. We believe that. Children are a gift and they are a priority. So, the question is asked, well then, Jesus, like how do we bring children to Jesus today? Parents are primary. We believe based on the teachings of the Bible that the persons primarily responsible for the care and upbringing of the child are the parents. And this teaching is throughout the Old and New Testament. I just give you one example. Ephesians chapter 6. Children should honor and obey their mother and father so their life would be long and that it would be successful and that fathers are responsible before God to raise their children in the Lord without frustrating them. What frustrates kids more than anything? Inconsistent parenting. Yet, God, our Heavenly Father, think about this, the Bible makes it abundantly clear, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we believe that mothers and fathers are responsible for the well-being of children. Parents are primary. And then we see other things as secondary. Daycare, secondary. Preschool, secondary. Schools, secondary. 
church secondary. There is this tragic myth that is circulating in our culture, in our country, and dare I say, our country has been burnt in the past by this, but I see it gaining traction again, only it's from a humanistic agenda, that institutions such as government-run, daycare, preschool, etc., can do a better job of raising children than parents. We don't believe that in the church. We don't. Because it doesn't matter if you do private school, public school, Christian school, daycare, preschool, no matter what, the parents have to be actively involved because you cannot replace the involvement and investment of the parents. You just can't. The parents, according to God's word, are primary and they are responsible in the sight of God for the raising of their children. Schools, churches, and other things can be helpful and supplemental, no doubt. But let's not take away parenthood. That means for us as a church, secondary is good. And we love to have children in service. Absolutely. We're glad to have children here in the church. And you may wonder, well, what if they make noise? Well, praise be to God. That says they're alive. What if my baby cries? Praise be to God. They're alive. What if they're a little disruptive in the service? We would, have, we would rather have a little commotion and a little disruption than a church that has no children. And I have not met, met a member that thinks otherwise. We're a family. Church is a family. God has blessed us as a congregation with 100 children under the age of 12. That's a lot. And I hope we will see them all once the parents are comfortable to return to in-person worship. I mean, the sanctuary is a big living room, right? God is our Heavenly Father. We, we, we meet with Him here. And you know what happens at the house? The kids show up. They break things. They spill things. They make noise. Praise be to God. That's how it is in my house. That's how it is in this church. And yes, I can say, your kids, if you are worried about bringing them to church, you are more than welcome to bring them to church. We are glad to have them here. And that is the only way they will learn to listen and love church if you bring them. And I encourage you to do that. Now, what do we learn from kids? Well, God has made it possible for us to have children in our lives no matter what station, stage, or vocation we are in. And Jesus says we can learn from them. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. The kingdom of God is a gift. Salvation is a gift. Faith is a gift. Grace, the word means gift. How do children receive gifts? Enthusiastically, 
gladly, excited, thankful, overjoyed. Think about it. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Characteristics of children? Totally dependent. Fully trusting. Frankly open. And completely sincere. Children are born of a father in the same way that Christians are born again of God the Father. It's not the child's doing, not their decision, God's doing. And children take their father at his word. Did you ever notice that? Have you ever had little children? There was a time, maybe, still is, when you say something to your little child or grandchild and you think it's funny and cute and your kids totally believe you because kids are literalists. They take you at your word. And so kids tend to come with just an implied faith in the words of their father. If dad says it, it must be true. That means if we are dads, we need to always, always, always tell the truth. This doesn't mean we can't use our imagination but we need to be truthful and absolutely reliable. God's a father, and these are his words. And like children who trust the words of their father, we need to take dad at his word. So when we read, for example, the incredible miracles of the Bible that defy science, including the incredible gift of salvation through Jesus Christ alone, we accept it. Dad said it was true. The Heavenly Father said, Jesus died for me. The Heavenly Father said, Jesus rose for me. Yes, he did. Dad tells the truth. Children utterly depend on their father for provision and protection. Children do not make money. Children cannot defend themselves. Children require a father's provision and protection. God is our father, and he provides everything we need. It's a gift from him. We just celebrated that last week. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights. We believe that, and God protects us and watches over us. He takes care of us. That's what we believe. And so we say thank you. Children are totally and completely dependent on their parents. We are completely dependent on God for everything. Children confidently approach their father for anything. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Isn't that true? Your little kids will ask you for anything. If your kids stop asking you for things, ask yourself why. Children just walk right up and tell their dad whatever, whenever. As Christians, we call that prayer. Prayer is where the children of God just go to their dad and talk to him about whatever they need. 
In Hebrews, we read children receive instruction and correction from their dad. Dad teaches you things and corrects you. God's our father. He instructs and corrects us through his word. Also, children leave, live in the father's kingdom. Whether that's a house, a condo, an apartment, God is a father. And the Bible says he's preparing a place for us. The kingdom of God is our home and we will live in the place that the father provides because that's what children do. Little children live where their father provides. Wherever dad is, there is comfort and security in that. And here's something else cool about kids. They carry their father's name. We carry the family name Christian. We're part of a big family with a great father. Children are objects of the father's love. And we as the children of God are objects of the heavenly father's love. Here's a big question. Why do the disciples not see themselves as children? Why, when we get older, smarter, wiser, more accomplished, and more independent, why do we stop seeing ourselves as helpless children in God's presence? We're kind of like the disciples. Well, we're, we're very responsible adults with very important things to do. And God says, you know what I see when I look at you? Ponytails, boogers, fudgicles. That's what I see. I see a soul in need of forgiveness. I see a life that needs to be valued and saved for eternity. I see a helpless child that cannot save themselves, care for themselves. I see a child that needs a dad. Yes, I see your sin and rebellious nature. And I made you, and I sent my son to die for you and your sins. And because of what your big brother Jesus did, you have a place at my table in my home under my care forever. Repent of your adult foolish ways and believe in me as a child believes in their father. That's our heavenly father. That's our savior, Jesus Christ. And we, by the grace of God, get to be the children of God. I can't, I can't believe this. Why, when we get older, do we make everything about us and less about him? Why do we make everything so complicated? We get to be his children, act like his children. I mean, that's what Christianity is all about. That means, practically speaking, we know our place. We don't think we are better than we are. We don't think we're better than anybody else. We know where there is unconditional love. We know where there is provision for our needs. We know where there is joy unspeakable. We know where we can go, where we can go with the slightest problems. We know where there is power to do things that we cannot do. We know where we can find the truth always. We know where there is comfort and peace and hope and security in the arms of our Heavenly Father. My prayer is that every time you see a child, and I pray that this church will one day again be filled with children, 
my prayer is that you remember this Bible story and its important lesson to keep you from getting too full of yourself because you must, according to Jesus, receive the kingdom of God like a little child. He knows your name. Amen.